how terrifying it is for guys to be vulnerable enough to say, I can't do this all by myself. I want help and I need help. Um, to say nothing of just rock me in your arms and sing me a lullaby. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I'm regressing to about six years old and that's actually what I need. Right. I don't need problem solving. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Relationships. Let's talk about it. And in this episode, asking for help. I have a conversation with a very good friend of mine, Greg Lavoie. And we talk about asking for help, not just the help of, oh, can you help me with this, with the dishes, but also, we do talk a little bit about that, about couples around chores, but we talk more about the vulnerable and the challenges that uh, many people have of asking for help from their partners and friends and other people in their lives. And Greg is a returning guest of mine. And those of you that uh, haven't heard my past podcast with Greg, I'll tell you a little bit more about him. He is a former adjunct professor of journalism at the University of New Mexico, former columnist and reporter for USA Today and the Cincinnati Enquirer. And he, he is the author of Vital Signs, The Nature and Nurture of Passion, and the book Callings, Finding and Following an Authentic Life. And also, uh, Greg has written for the New York Times Magazine, Washington Post, Omni, Psychology Today, uh, and Reader's Digest, and many others, as well as for corporate and promotional intelligent projects. And he currently lives in Santa Cruz, California, which uh, is to my dismay because he moved out of Asheville maybe about uh, seven years ago or so, and we were dear, dear friends. Well, we are dear, dear friends, but it makes it a little more challenging to see him as often as I would love to see him. And you can learn more about Greg in my show notes, or you can go to greglavoy.com. Okay, and before we get on with the conversation, I wanna steer you to my website, prepo.com. You can sign up for my newsletters there. You can also learn more about my work as a therapist and also as a coach, if you're interested, you can inquire at my website. And also, if you have found this podcast to be a benefit to you, and if you feel for supporting the podcast, like I said before, you can pass it along. I love it that many people are doing that and spreading the word of the podcast so I can reach as many people as possible and just pass some of my experience around relationship issues relationship topics as possible. And if you are inclined to support the podcast with a financial donation, which is greatly appreciated, you can go to my website, prepo.com, click on support the podcast page. You can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. Okay, well, here we go. My podcast conversation with Greg Lavoie on the topic, asking for help. Yeah. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me, help me, help me. Mm, yeah. All right, asking for help. 
Let's talk about it. All right, here we go, my man. Right. Yeah. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a while. I really appreciate you wanting to do another podcast, and and what a great topic. Asking for help. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. One from the easier said than done department. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, why does this uh, interest you? Tell me how this came up for you. Yeah. Um, it came up recently because um, a fellow that I'm in a support group with um, was sharing that um, he's in a men's group. And he said that He's been going through a lot of heavy stuff lately, physical stuff, uh, midlife stuff, um, professional stuff. And they had a meeting recently where his men's group said to him that his refusal to reveal his vulnerability and ask them for support was denying him the chance to get their support and denying them the opportunity to support him. Hmm. And um, it just... It just when he shared this story in the group that I'm in with him, it just really reminded me how tough it is to to be willing to ask for help. And I had a flashback. I know you've got one of these kind of stories too. Um, I, it, it gave me a flashback to a very particular event in my life that really kind of horribly highlighted for me um, how tough it is for me to ask for help. Um, and I, I'd love to share that very briefly, that story. Yeah, I'd love to hear um, it. Yeah. Um, I was working as a reporter at the Cincinnati paper and I took a vacation down to Florida and one afternoon I'm just out there by myself and I'm go tearing down the beach to dive into the surf. And, um, it appeared that I was diving into deep water. So I dove up off the sand, anticipating that I was going to go down into deep water. Well, it wasn't deep water. It was the illusion of depth. It was just the sand changing color from light to dark. Hmm. And so I landed really hard on my elbows and my legs flipped backward over my head. And I, I heard and felt an ominous sound. <laughs> Um, something between a crack and a tear. Hmm. And I spent the next month of my life um, flat on my back in my apartment in Cincinnati, um, filing my stories to the newspaper from that position for a month. And the place just suddenly started just, you know, pizza boxes everywhere and dirty clothing and dishes and books and papers and and the place smelled like a locker room. And it was like, like this for a month. One afternoon, like three or four weeks into this, I, I hear a, a, a rapping on my window pane. And I craned my neck back. I looked. I saw a friend's face. This was, in fact, a guy who was in a men's group at the time with me, um, framed by one of the window panes. And he's covering the glass, trying to keep the glare out so he can look inside. And I look at his face and it's the expression on his face roughly translated to what the fuck? <laughs> um, and um, when, when I managed to let him in and told him about the accident and all that, he, he, he shocked me by being angry at me. He was angry Um with me for being too stubborn to call him or anyone for help. Mm. I hadn't told anybody about the accident except the people at work. Um, hadn't called anyone to come and check in on me, cook me a meal, do a load of laundry, go food shopping for me. Just, you know, even just, um, hold your hand. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or give me a back rub. My, you know, and, and I remember him saying, Greg, what the hell are friends for? Mm. And he scolded me as he walked around picking up pizza boxes and stuff. <laughs> uh, he said, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? <laughs> um, 
I was thinking I, I, I guess what a lot of people must think when they refuse to reach out for help. I was thinking of my pride. I was thinking I didn't want to put anybody out. I didn't want to be a burden or a bother. And I didn't want anyone seeing me in that condition. In that vulnerable way, right? Down on the mat. Mm. I didn't want anybody seeing me that way. And not even someone who was in a support group with me, mm. as this friend was. Mm. Uh, and and I, I was thinking of just the need to to appear in control the the part of me that just hated to be vulnerable prided myself on my in my independence you know and in that moment i also flashed on my father um when he had his second heart attack he insisted that i not fly home to new york to visit him in the hospital and like a schmuck, I didn't. Mm. Um, and years later, I um, he he admitted that that was not that's not what he should have done. He said I was being the stoic. That's how he put it. I was being the stoic. I didn't want you to see me that way. And you know, I just my dad used to call me a chip off the old block. Mm. And after this incident in Florida and all that, I realized I really am. A chip off the old block and so i this is um my my friend here in santa cruz sharing that thing about refusing to give himself and his men's group the opportunity to to be in a, a loving helping relationship with one another reminded me of this mm -hmm. and i thought wow this is this is really a thing and i don't think it's just a thing for men yeah i don't think it's a thing for men either but yeah. i think it shows up um, a lot more for men. What is it like the biggest stats of um, men die of heart attacks because, uh, or, or no, not heart attacks. Is it heart attacks or oh, choking? choking in restaurants? Mm -hmm. Is right. that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, yeah. What? What? Right. Are they, what are they? Oh, yeah, that's right. There was a story in um, the Atlantic magazine years and years ago about um, the fact that men who are choking in restaurants will. Um, go into the bathroom to hide because they're embarrassed and they will sometimes die in there because they're afraid to ask for help. I mean, wow. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, that's just toxic masculinity. It is, you know, and I know for some people that's a, that's redundant, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, that's really taking it to the extreme, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can relate, but I'm yeah? curious. I'm curious about how, how that shifted for you over the years, especially in your relationship now with, with Cindy, with, yeah. How, how was yeah. that for asking for help either way, you giving it, you asking? Yeah. Um, I suppose I'm glad to report it's changed a lot. Hmm. Um, I still notice the resistance come up in me when I've got a vulnerability to share with somebody with her, for instance. Um, and, when um i guess when i have a need to ask her for certain kinds of help uh, i'm not talking about the kind by the way of asking for help that's like going up to somebody on the street and asking for directions or something mm -hmm. you know i'm not talking about the kind that's like asking syria question mm -hmm. you know i'm talking about the kind that that implies or that reveals vulnerability mm -hmm. and i'm i'm better at sharing that with people i I seem to have unhooked myself from this belief I had in my twenties when this thing in Florida happened, that my my masculinity was in question if I wasn't a rugged individualist or a lone wolf or a you know do it yourself kind of guy. Um, and I think I've kind of managed to some degree to unhook from the belief that I'm lesser for having vulnerabilities and asking people for emotional support, especially. Um, and so I think I've improved in that department, but it's in there. It's, it's, it's hardwired, mm -hmm. um, may even be, I don't know, may even be a evolutionary thing. Weakness is not a great idea in a, you know, the, um, fight for survival kind of world. And a lot of times I think it shows up 
with the fear of it being used against us in relationships. Mm -hmm. That if I ask for some help in areas of emotional support, that later on it may be used against me because I have many clients that it is. That's they have that proven experience with each other and then trust is taken away. Mm. It's not um held in a in a sacred way, but it's so against them. What, um, what's an example of of a of something that might come up for a couple where one person asks for help and the other person somehow takes advantage of it or uses it against them at a later date or something? Yeah, I think I think sometimes it shows up when um they reveal some of their past and some of maybe their inadequacies in in their past and they've um I, i'm just thinking about one client that it showed up in a way where uh they're they're disclosing of how they were with their mother or how they were um that they weren't proud of themselves in some way mm. and they really were asking their spouse to show them and see them in a different light can you tell me that that's not how you see me that's not how you see me and in the moment mm -hmm. the 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 partner the spouse uh, reassured them that's not how i see you mm -hmm. but then many months later they actually brought that up in a fight and they said mm -hmm. you know actually you are that way in in our relationship or i see you that way the way that you treated your mother and the mm -hmm. way that you were unfeeling and that you were judgmental i actually do see you that way mm. and so that that once that one moment that created some trust automatically it was taken away by wow. by them bringing it up again right and i guess I, I mean i can certainly see this in myself we've all been burned yeah that way sometimes where we lose trust in people or we reveal something that we regret having revealed mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know that it seems like it shows up around physicality. I know that um, I've had many clients that have, uh, well, one client that's coming to my mind too is that their mother was ill and that they were taking care of their mother and they were really burnt out and they were asking for help. Uh, for the partner to pick up more slack around the house and take care of the kids and so forth. Right. And the partner just kind of begrudgingly did it. Um, other ways that they didn't show up in more empathy and kindness. And so this partner kind of just shrugged and just said, well, why should I ask for help? And in the, in the moments that I really needed it, when I was down and out, when I was um, so spent and exhausted, you didn't even show up in that in that moment so why would mm. i even ask for help uh-huh yeah and then we get into a cycle of not trusting somebody not revealing and not getting help and mm. support that we need mm -hmm. yeah. um and you know some of the, the kinds of vulnerability that show up now for me um aren't even things like i'm down on the floor with my back spasming come over and cook me a meal those kind of like really super practical things um, I think of, there are times when I, I will say to, um, to my partner, um, I'm really, I'm really having a hard time with something right now. Would you mind just listening to me? Mm. I just need to like talk it out and have another pair of ears listen in on this conversation and tell me what you hear. Mm. So that's a way of asking for help that's vulnerable. Um, yeah. another one, you know, is like another one is, um, I'm, I'm, I'm batting around a, an important decision. Um, let me tell you what the three options are that I'm working with and give me your feedback. So sometimes it's that. And uh, sometimes it's just, you know, I am like I was two days ago. I am up in my head um, just churning and worrying and being in a state. Um, I just want to get down into my lower chakras. Would you just just hold me? Mm. and get me down help me get down in my body mm. so these are these are some of just examples that pop into my mind of the kind of help that um, i'm finding myself asking for more and more from people um and certainly from my partner and 
you know, it's, it's amazing. It doesn't seem like it should be that fraught, but I have to take a deep breath every time mm -hmm. before I do that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. There's times where I know that I'm working on a, a certain habit that I want to get out of, even if it's a, it's a habit of maybe judgment and I'll ask, I'll ask rainbow, you know, for that kind of support. Sometimes it's also even, Hey, can you give me some slack? Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in this kind of mode where I am complaining or I don't really see the sunshine at the end of the, at the end of the road. And yeah. I, re I, I really want some slack to not be brought to my attention that I need to change my mindset. Like mm. even that, I'm asking for help of just allowing me to go through my process and not be judged for it. Yeah. yeah. I know I, I know. one of the things that I'm afraid of being judged for around asking for help is that by doing that, I mean, this almost sounds silly. I'm admitting that I need help. Mm. And um, I don't know. There's something, you know, I hear a phrase in my head as like, dude, you need help. Mm. You know, the implication is that you need a therapist or, right. and that there's something bad about having to need a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just noticed that asking for help is an admission that I need it, that I haven't been able to figure out or do X, Y, or Z by myself. Um, and for some reason, that seems like a, a failure in itself. Mm. I should yeah. be able, I should be able right. to do this on my own. I shouldn't need to lean on anybody else because maybe like you said, somewhere down the road, they're going to kick the struts out from under me and I'm going to go, yeah, I knew I shouldn't have trusted people. Yeah. They're not trustworthy. And, and this has got to go for people who grew up in a family where one of the main lessons they learned is do not trust other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's some, you know, traumas that people go through in their lives that give them that message. Um, People are not trustworthy. Uh, and how are you going to ask for help when you have one of those rattling around in your psyche? Yeah. And like you said before, I, I love when people, I get a lot of people asking for help for, for me as a therapist, right? I yeah. literally get, I had a text last week from a client, Prepo, I need you. <laughs> that mm. was text, I need you. Can we talk? And I had another client today, a new client that, that asked, he said, I'm asking for help for my marriage. We've been a five marriage therapist. Can oh, you help God. us? And I said, I'm going to try my damnedest, but <laughs> no you pressure. Gotta, you got to do a lot of your work. If you're a zero for five right now, you know, you got, yeah. you know, um, yeah. but, but I think people wait until they're, they're in dire straits to ask mm. for help. And uh -huh. I can see that as a therapist, especially marriage therapist, people wait and wait years. Oh when they oh. should have came years ago, right. they should have asked for help. Uh -huh. So I'm curious, how generally, how do you feel when somebody, whether it's a friend or a client or um, colleague, how do you feel when somebody asks you for help? Is there a generally, commonalities in how you yeah, respond? I think generally I feel honored that they would ask me mm. as opposed to somebody else. Uh -huh. um, I feel real quick like, uh-oh, Am I going to be able to help? Can I live up uh -huh. to the expectation of it? Uh -huh. um, and I have to watch, especially if it's, yeah, I have to watch my boundaries. You know, I have to watch, am I really able to help or is my first instinct, I want to help irregardless of taking care of myself. So I think that's uh -huh. a process that I, that I have learned. But I generally like lean in when people ask for help, but I'm also really good at, at, at boundaries when I know, mm, when I, when I know maybe the help that they're asking, uh, there's some things that they can do on their own before just me bailing them out in some way uh -huh, or, uh -huh. um, yeah, I, I remember just an inclining before years ago that I would disregard everything to help somebody else. Mm. Um, and sometimes it was even friends or colleagues I would want to help when my family would ask for help and I didn't ask and I didn't give my family that, that help. So, mm. you know, yeah, it's been a process for me about that, but generally I think I lean towards, uh, people when, when they ask for help and pretty good at boundaries if I'm able to or not, like right. even if it's, you know, leaning out, asking for help, Hey, 
I can, as, a, as let's say a client, I can only do a session uh, after six o'clock and on weekends. I'm like, mm, I hear that and I'm not your guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can't help in that way because I need that time for my own life. Sure. And so, but before years ago, I would bend that and I would, I would sacrifice my own personal time to help other people out. Mm -hmm. So, um, you, speaking of taking care of yourself, um, do you mind me asking you to share the story of, um, a time when you profoundly did not take care of yourself? The one when, in the what, late when was that? I can't remember one time. That yeah. <laughs> well, it was infamously written in your book. <laughs> oh, right. Heard, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Now plug your book, man. Plug your book. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Really plug your book. <laughs> oh, well, let me see. This one would have been in, in, in vital signs. That's right. Vital. Yeah. Signs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, share, share the story. It's, it's yeah. a really well, potent example. Yeah. It was maybe, I would say roughly eight years ago. And I was at one of my dear friend's wedding, which was up in New Hampshire. It was a weekend wedding where there was about 50 people or so that were staying around and camping out. And, and it was the day before his wedding, maybe about 30 people went to go swimming in this big, beautiful lake. And I'm not the most confident swimmer. Um, I really haven't learned how to swim well, so I'm not a proficient swimmer. So many people started swimming way out, you know, maybe a hundred yards out. And I, and maybe four or five other people started swimming a little bit, maybe five yards, 10 yards from shore. And then some people started dispersing and going farther out. And I went farther out, probably the farthest I've ever been out, which I would say was maybe about uh, 40, 50 yards. And everybody else was way the hell mm. um, out. But there was other people, uh, strangers that were on shore. And I started getting tired. And when I got tired, I can feel my legs and arms start to cramp. And mm. I felt a little panic. So I said, Oop, I got to go back to shore. And as I was going back to shore, I caught some water and um, started choking and gasping. And that was the moment where my fucking instinct should have said, help. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I didn't. And I started um, uh, trying to swim more to shore. And I went, started to go under a few times. And Mm. One time when it felt like that was going to be it, um, my wife and son, Xander and Rainbow, were in Denmark at the time, and it flashed through my mind, like, fuck, they're going to find out they have fucking drowned while they're in Denmark. And then the other the flash was like, yeah, fuck, man, you're going to really ruin your friend's wedding. Oh. And and I just remember like giving it my all, like I conjured up as much strength as I could and I gave a couple strokes and lo and behold, one of my feet, I could feel like touched a rock and I started, you know, um, hitting some of the shoreline and, and, uh, I made it to shore mm. and, uh, my whole body was in tetany. I was in, was just Ooh, in yeah. freeze mode and, and shaking and it lasted for, oh, 15 minutes or so. And I remember thinking, fuck, and I didn't ask for help. And I reinforced that I didn't have, I didn't need it. I saved myself. Right? Uh -huh. This perpetual, like, fuck, you know, I yeah. could have asked for help. And the big reason was a lot of things that you said before, um, embarrassment and, and I've never called out for help and uh, from bodily injury or anything like that. Mm. But then, lo and behold, about a month later, um, my wife and son, my wife and son are home. I'm home, and I brought home some Chinese carryout, and I open one of the the boxes, and I pop in a a big old shrimp, and I start choking on it. And uh, my first instinct was to run into the bathroom, but instead, well, I remember looking at my wife, and I motioned the Heimlich maneuver on me 
and I took her arms and put her around me and oh, wow. she started doing it. She started doing the Heimlich and I spit out the shrimp and she was so angry with me. She, she was so, you always, you eat when you, when you walk, I told you not to eat when, and I, my eyes were just big and I was smiling and I was full of love. And I, I was like, no, 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 honey, honey. Do you get it? I asked for help. For help. I asked for help. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Isn't that that is such an incredible story. But the fact is you learned quickly. You didn't repeat the same scenario. I didn't. No, I um, didn't. Yeah. And I don't know if it was, I felt more comfortable because it was my family as opposed to strangers. I think that had a little bit to do with it, but mm -hmm. just, just fucking but, ridiculous. But you I, had that impulse to run into the bathroom, just like the article yeah, said. Totally. <laughs> Totally. Wow, yeah. men are such knuckleheads. I mean, you had that impulse to run in the bathroom. You ran in the bathroom in the movies. Tell that. Oh, story. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I got dizzy and I conked my head outside the theater, and then I came back in and sat well, through the rest of the movie with you. Well, well, wait. Well, one of it was, I think that the coming attractions were pretty wild and everything. I remember oh. that you got up and then yeah. you went to the bath. You know, you were going to the bathroom, but you were gone for like. 15 or 20 minutes and then you came wow. back and you kind of sat a little bit on an angle and then after the movie the lights came up and i looked at you and you were fucking all you had blood on your forehead <laughs> coming down your eyes and you had like this tissue on it i'm like what the fuck happened <laughs> and you said yeah between the trailers the, and the movie i got dizzy and you went yeah. outside and you fell I on the cement right yeah yeah. I did. And you I went to really the bathroom. Busy. And you yep. went to the bathroom to clean up. Yep. And then I came okay. back in. And you sat. But, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't even go into the bathroom because if I had, I would have seen myself. Ah. I just came back straight straight away into the theater when I kind of came to. Mm. And um anyway, yeah. yeah. Not asking for help, not wanting to make a scene. Right. Oh my God. How much of it is not wanting to make a scene? Certain I mean, kinds of Cause it could have been like, Oh, let's go home. We don't get to see the movie. You're not feeling good. And... Oh yeah. 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 Right. But I remember, don't you remember? I called you about a week or two later and I was kind of like that guy of your friend and say, Hey man, like, oh, isn't our friendship like trustworthy enough for you to like, tell me that you got hurt and yeah, we can like leave. We don't have to see the movie. Let's take care of you. I remember. Him you know, like, the funny thing is I, I wasn't aware of having um passed out i just remember getting up from the curb at some point i don't remember that wow. but when i was came back into the theater i remember feeling i had like i had a fat lip mm -hmm. and i kept feeling and i was like what the hell yeah. i wasn't aware of it until the lights went up and you looked at me <laughs> as if you had seen a ghost <laughs> like a werewolf man. and then i went into the bathroom and looked at my face right um but you know, I, I don't mean to belabor this, but there's something really uh, ground into us from an early age. And I think maybe especially for men, the vulnerability required to um, show to show ourselves, to be seen, to be vulnerable, to ask for help is bred out of men at a pretty early age. Mm -hmm. And I just want to give a tip of the hat to the fact that that's partly what we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly where women are in relation to asking for help. It has always seemed to me that it's easier because women are the ones who sign up for classes more and go to therapy and are willing to be students. And, um, there are just so many, so many ways in which they're willing to be learners yeah. and rather than knowers like men. And yeah. that I think that there's, there is to some degree a gender thing here. Yeah. And also I see in my practice kind of the opposite of sometimes men feel women ask for help too much mm -hmm. and they get annoyed by it and uh -huh. um so that's sending out a, a kind of a a funky message because most men are like of course i want to help you uh i'm here to provide i'm here to help <laughs> but don't ask too much you know mm -hmm. don't ask me to just like yeah. bring you tea don't ask me to you know yeah and so i think it's an interesting uh, especially about like dividing up chores and so forth and mm. they have women that literally 
make sessions with me just because of the fights and the conflict over the years that they felt that they've asked over and over and over uh, for help because they're overwhelmed in their life being a mother being uh, a wife being a working person mm -hmm. and they're not getting the slack picked up by their partner and they're right. asked over and over for help so they start to what's what we hear is called nag right and yeah, exactly. and that's when the male partner usually pushes away so that's an now there's another scenario too which is when um men offer help and women don't want their problem solving and their fixing and their <laughs> you know you know this is kind yeah. of famous video that made the rounds a few years ago that's hysterical to watch in a in a anxious sort of way but it's a picture of a couple sitting on a couch and um at first we only see his face in the back of her head and she's saying oh, i don't know just i just feel like my head is splitting open i don't know what's wrong with me i just feel this pressure and I, and he's looking very concerned and and he says well and the camera slowly pans around so you see her she has a nail embedded in her forehead and he's saying, well, honey, it's probably the nail. And she's like, don't do that. I, 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 you just, I just want you to listen to me. And it goes on back and forth like this on and on. And she's just wants to be heard. And it's this pressure from inside and she can't cope it. And he's like, but if you just took the nail out and it's a, it's really a, a dramatic and somewhat silly, of course rendition of this dynamic that men feel like they need to be the helpers mm -hmm. and the problem solvers and the fixers and the the knight in shining armor riding in on a stallion and sometimes that is not what their partners need mm -hmm. um they they need to be listened to or held or just um you know just validated yeah. validated right and um so sometimes this this thing about asking for help is like men hear an, a, a plea for help when there isn't one mm, yeah <laughs> so that's kind of a flip side of it i think has it ever come to you where you have uh been asked to help somebody you offer help but they don't take it and you get frustrated and you get angry oh my, oh my god yeah um i uh when i was um uh, married i was married for 20 years as you know and um um and she, how to put this um delicately um she wasn't great around making money hmm. um i wasn't um i'm not a millionaire or anything and uh, but i'm i was better at it than she was and so one of our dynamics and therefore one of our conflicts was around me trying to help her um, adopt the, the proper mindset that in my, of course, humble opinion, lent itself to the making of money. Mm. And I was constantly offering ideas and suggestions and let's brainstorm and, and, um, and she just wouldn't ultimately do it. She, at the time she was sometimes say, oh, that's a wonderful idea. And she's writing them down, but they never actually turned into forward momentum. And so I was constantly frustrated at offering what I thought was help, helpful advice and not having it taken up, mm. um, which of course affected me personally because I needed both of us to contribute to our household, yeah. our family. And I just felt that that was uh, imbalanced. So there were definitely have been times when I have offered help and um, I, you know, I, we even went to therapy around it. And I remember a therapist saying um so greg how much does she cost and i looked at him and blinked and he said yeah how much does she cost you a year and i threw out a figure i don't know what it was 20 30 grand a year he says so you could work more and just um pay her way and then you could let go of this whole drama of needing her to make an income mm. and uh I, I sort of got where he was coming from and there was some logic to that. Um, but I wouldn't let myself go there. You didn't take his help on that one. I did not. <laughs> I did not. It didn't seem fair to me. And at that time, fairness seemed more important than getting along with my spouse. That, that comes in a lot too. fairness around help. You know, like if you're being asked for help, but people don't take it, 
Mm. Is it fair that they're asking, but they don't actually take it? Yeah. Yeah. Or is it fair that one partner says, I need more help around the house or with the childcare or the dishes or the laundry or the yard work? Mm. And the other partner doesn't step up. Yeah. You can ask for help until you're blue in the face and your partner just doesn't quite step up. Mm. And I'm sure you see some of these messy conundrums regularly. And it's kind of guys that I'm thinking about when, you know, a woman usually comes to therapy and they're the one that starts off saying, you know, where the problems are, what the issues are. But when they ask their husband, usually he doesn't volunteer it or he's not the one that comes to therapy with it. So in some way that's like asking for help, like they're naming the problem but they're asking for it to be solved. So a lot of times men don't look at, they don't want to see problems in their marriage because I think oh. it maybe is a sign of, of failure. And yeah. sure women have that too, but I think it's a big one for men around because they're not providing happiness in their, in mm. their relationship and therefore they mm. feel inadequate. So that's a big one, right, Greg? Like most yeah. men, if we feel that we have to ask for help, that means that we are, Fessing up to being inadequate and fuck, we do not want to feel inadequate. No. Yeah. No, we don't. Especially when you grow up in a family or a culture or a gender that says, um, you're the guy, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. You gotta be in control. You gotta stay up on that horse at all costs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember interviewing somebody years ago, uh, where it was a woman talking about this issue and she said, I don't want to see my husband off that horse. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it costs him. I don't want to see him fall off that horse. Right. And so sometimes, sometimes, um, there is a collusion, I think, um, to keep a man in that stallion up on the stallion. And when what he really needs is to step off of it and be held in somebody's arms and mm-hmm. rocked. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. I mean, I've been in men's group for, half of my adult life and i i'm familiar with this story from other men and from myself is how terrifying it is for guys to be vulnerable enough to say i can't do this all by myself i want help and i need help um to say nothing of just rock me in your arms and sing me a lullaby Mm -hmm. because i'm i'm regressing to about six years old and that's actually what i need Right. I don't need problem solving, you know? Yeah. Um, somebody told me not long ago that when kids come up to their parents and they say they're bored, that the, the, the idea is not to like brainstorm things they could do and pull out their toy chest and, um, you know, it's pull them into your lap for mm-hmm. a couple of minutes of just checking in and getting the refueling, I guess, that they need. And then they're off on their merry way. Um, yeah, you know, I just, I think there's something to that. Yeah. I remember when Xander was like three years old and he got hurt on a, on the playground, he came running up to me and I was like, what? Tell, tell daddy where you got hurt. And, and rainbow was over there. She said, well, just hold around him. I'm like, what? I'm trying to figure out what, where, (laughs) and then he went off and it happened again. And he came towards me and I just scooped him up and Mm. just held him and just breathed with him. Within 15 seconds, he's squirming to get away and go run. (laughs) And I was like, fuck. Yeah. I'm really starting to get that understanding about all of my relationships Mm. is how often people just need um, an ear, Mm. not a mouth. (laughs) You know what I mean? We've got, what is that famous saying? You've got two ears and one mouth and you should use them uh, proportionately. You so know, but that, that question that you asked me, oh, what's your, what's your inclination when people ask you for help? Oh, more often than not, I, I I'm aware of feeling honored mm-hmm. partly because I, I, sometimes I know what it takes to ask somebody for help mm-hmm. or, um, for their time and their attention. And, um, I'm usually honored. So, um, here's an example. I, I belong to this, um, group, um, called a circling group. It's one of those authentic relating groups. And, um, each time we meet somebody volunteers to be circled by the group. So that means, you know, I'm the focal person. 
and I tell people what's up for me, something going on, and then it's all focused on me. They circle me. The idea is to get my world, see the, see the problem through my eyes, not problem solving, not fixing, no agendas, none of that. It's just asking questions. It's listening. It's sharing impacts like, wow, Prepo, when you just told me that about the episode at the lake, I noticed I, I just felt really sad and scared. How's that feel to hear that? Mm. That kind of feedback. So mm. I, um, we had an event here at the house where we introduced our whole community here to this notion of circling. We had the senior people here that came over from Santa Cruz and we had 30 people in our living room. And um, we wanted to demo for most of the people that never experienced circling. We wanted to demo it and do a fishbowl with all the senior leaders in the fishbowl and everybody else watching from the outside. And so the senior leader, his name is Ben. He said, so which one of you guys is six of us? Which one of you guys wants to be circled? And I immediately volunteered, which surprised the hell out of me mm. because the people who are on the outer circle listening in, many of them are profoundly not the emotional types. They're not the EQ types. They're not the, um, the self-reflective types. The, this is Silicon Valley here. This is Palo Alto. And I moved here from Santa Cruz, a very different kind of people that live in this area. And I'm scared of that. I'm scared of being vulnerable in front of some of these people who are in that room. And nonetheless, I stepped forward and said, I'm dealing with something I really want help with. And I volunteered and they, um, Ben took me up on it. And so, oh my God, to be in the middle of that circle and dealing with what I was coming up for me at that time, which was really vulnerable. Um, I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes. I've been, since I retired six months ago, I've been watching a lot of videos, diddling around on the computer for sometimes hours, watching videos of two two themes and only two themes bullies getting the crap beaten out of them and predators um being turned on by their prey so you can see a theme here mm. they're the both of the, the kinds of videos i watch and i'm not kidding for sometimes hours on end are bullies and predators having the tables turned on them and so i had to process why am i watching these why am i wasting my precious um, post-retirement years doing this. What, what's going on here? And I got really angry at, with myself in the circle hmm. until one of the, the senior circlers said, you know what I'm, I'm noticing? I'm noticing that you sound like a bully. Mm. Wow. And bullying yourself. Whoa, I've become the bully. He said, you're the, you've become the predator mm -hmm. and look at, listen to how you're speaking to yourself. You're angry with yourself. You're impatient. You're judgmental. Um, you're scolding. And so it was my willingness to ask, to volunteer, to be in the center of the circle. Um, and everybody getting a chance to help me clarify what's really happening inside. And it was so powerful. And then Ben opens it up for feedback from the larger group. And it was very clear. It's like this question you asked about how I respond to people when they ask for help. My experience being in the circle and in that room was that people leaned in, not out. Hmm. When I was vulnerable and I cried a couple of times and I, um, uh, one point I actually reached, pointed outside the inner circle at Cindy. And I said, why am I wasting my time? I want a hundred extra years just to love her. Mm. And uh, afterwards, people reported that half the room was in tears. Mm. And everybody was physically leaning in. Mm. I don't mean on just an emotional stance. They were physically leaning forward toward me. And their hearts were opening and their, and, and it, the bullying theme, especially hit a lot of people. I had several men come up to me afterwards and confide that they too were bullied as kids. And that's just part I, of, but I also think that when you, you, my experience with you is, especially a process like that, you're being very authentic. And I think when people are very truthful, authentic mm -hmm. in a vulnerable way, 
we lean in because we love truth. Yeah. Even if it's hor- horrible and cringeworthy and, and so forth, it's yeah. truth. We love it. Yeah. yeah. And, and the kind of vulnerability that can sometimes propel me or us to ask for help is that kind that you're referring to. Hmm. And it touches people and it makes them, feel, I don't know what, maybe I, uh, this is a story that it, it gives people permission yeah. to do it themselves. Yeah. And in the fact is in the two weeks since that event, I've met with quite a few of the people who were in the outer circle, including some of the people I feel very nervous being this vulnerable in front of. And the things, the conversations that we're getting into that we never got into before um, and the ways that they're interacting in their own lives, their own marriages, um, really shows that something shifted just from that one evening. Mm. And so you never know how much you're helping other people by, like you said, being authentic, yeah, being willing to just reach out and be real. Mm. And that's a service. That's, that's offering something to other people. Yeah. So I got a chance to really well, see that. Well, here's one for, for you. I um, I know that you'll feel honored um, for me asking for help with this. How's this for you? Hey, Greg, I really need some help. Will you loan me 20 grand? 20 grand. <laughs> so how is that, man? <laughs> right? I yeah, mean, I got to go now. <laughs> but isn't that interesting? Like when other people ask for help from when it's financial as opposed uh-huh. to, you know, my time or my effort of uh, support, but it's yeah. interesting. But some people are really cool. Oh, please, like uh, my my cousin, he loaned me some money to pay off my house so we can get a home equity loan. When I told yeah. the story to my uncle, he's like, why didn't you ask me? You know, he was like, almost offended that oh, wow. I didn't ask him. And I was thinking, oh, I am, I can use an extra 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you, you know. Wow. But, but it's interesting. Like some people want to be asked by that. Other mm. people don't. How about you? Yeah. Do you want to be asked to, to, to loan some money for help? No. <laughs> honest to god i really don't but of course most people who know me know that i've been a freelance writer for the last 30 years uh-huh. so that, you know um this is not exactly a money-making venture by and large mm-hmm. yeah, um, isn't it something like when people put up those gofundme things and like oh, that's yeah. a big deal like wow you're really asking for help there and some of the stories of course you know say tear jerkers of why people are asking for that but that's yeah you know i think for people uh, it's a big pride thing for most people and most men yeah or financial so you know that's funny you should mention that i i interviewed a guy years ago um for a column that i had for the paper um that is a really good um example to use in this conversation um his name was percy ross he's passed away by now but his name was percy ross and he um had a column that was syndicated in, I don't know, um, uh, it was actually 700 newspapers and it was called Thanks a Million. He was a millionaire giving away his money to people who wrote him letters and he got 2000 a day prepo <laughs> from people wanting money. And so he had this column where he um, published a couple of the letters that moved him and why he sent people money and why he didn't. Mm. And um, I interviewed him and he says a couple of amazing things about asking people for help. Um, one of them was, I don't give to self-centered individuals mm-hmm. or, or, or causes. Mm-hmm. He, he said, not many people do. He said, I want to know that the fulfillment of a request is going to help other people, not just yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. um, so here's this, I, I tracked this down. This is a, it's only a paragraph, but this is a letter that he responded to affirmatively. He said, it says, dear Mr. Ross, I'm imprisoned in Arkansas and have been writing a book about the effectiveness of punishment and the social reaction to crime. I'm doing everything in my power to better myself while incarcerated. I've alienated my family. I have no friends, but that's my past, not my future. What I would like most is a good dictionary to help me in my writing. Believe it or not, this would be the most wonderful asset in the world right now to me next to freedom. Uh J.G.W. from Tucker, Arkansas. And 
Um, so along with a dictionary, um, Percy Ross wrote the guy back. He said, you have faced, you've been faced with a bad situation and turned it into a positive experience. More power to you. When your book gets published, I'd like to buy a copy. Good luck. Hmm. Hmm. I love that story yeah. um, because it, it says that um, people are more likely to help you when they feel that it's really going to go to a good cause. Yeah. You know, it's really going to be used um, hmm. well and that you're honoring people's time, in this case, their money. Um, and you don't just like there was some lady who said, uh, I want a white Cadillac and a white poodle. Um, will you buy me those things? Um, so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting. He just had, and you know where else I go sometimes for inspiration on the thing about asking for help is, um, the acknowledgements pages in people's books. Mm. Um, I'm fascinated by that because these are the pages where they're thanking the people who gave them, you know, sustenance along the way while they were frankly taken on one of the biggest projects of their lives. I know that because I've written a couple of them, you know, and uh, I love these acknowledgements pages because it's really clear and, and actually pretty consistent um, indication of what kinds of help are of the greatest value to people when they're taking on their callings, mm -hmm. you know, when they're taking on a big um, stepping out, kind of risks in their life. And I just, the, the things like, I want to thank so-and-so who believed in me. Right. I, I want to thank, thank so-and-so who engaged me in soul talk. I remember that one from somebody's book. Um, I, I've heard people say, thank you to so-and-so for listening to me, uh, helping bring clarity to my thinking. Um, who Somebody gave me a place to work, a little cottage to work. Um, someone who took an interest in my progress um, and never let go of their end of the rope. Mm -hmm. I remember that comment, never let go of their end of the rope. Mm -hmm. And um, those, those to me are just speak volumes about the kinds of help that people, people often really need in help. I mean, in life. Um, and it's just beautiful. I think that, that, that down deep our human nature is that we do want to help. We, yeah. You know, for, for me, I get so much um, a, a internal gratification when mm -hmm. I'm going to be giving myself in a way that's benefiting others and it's, that's so enriching because then that means that I'm giving, I, I'm, I'm receiving when I'm yeah. giving. And I think that's the big thing that, that uh, for people to realize when, when you, we ask for help, in many ways, we're also giving somebody a gift to give help, which is a tremendous yeah. benefit as a human being. Yeah. Right. I think, I think though, um, at the risk of sounding just a little skeptical is, um, I think it's important to like help people help me, um, by not just kind of giving them a general, like I'm just having a hard time right now and trying to put them in the position of but and what i'm doing is putting them in the position of having to kind of diagnose what kind of help they think i need mm -hmm. you know and people unfortunately fall pretty quickly to playing amateur preacher right. and psychotherapist in uh well here's your problem right. you know um i think it's i it's better when i can specify what kind of help i actually need i agree you know i agree um, I that's really good when people really know what it is that they need, what they want, and what kind of help that they that they need. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. I think it's it's important to specify, you know, like I need you to go grocery shopping for me because I can't get up from the floor. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. Or um I need a referral to a really good couples therapist. Mm -hmm. Or um I, I, I asked you to listen and shut up and not say a word. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to ask for somebody to just listen, no advice, no fixing, none of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that that takes some of the problems off of, um, asking for help is just tell them what exactly what you need. Yeah. And well, what, brother, what, this was great, man. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. 
I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, be contemplating ways that I can honor you by asking for help so that you'll feel honored to to that I that I asked. So I'm going to contemplate that. Yeah, exactly. That's what my friends. Um, men's group was telling him is that you honor us by sharing your vulnerability with us and not try to look like you're still on the stallion because you're denying us the opportunity to love you. Mm. Yeah. And that's why we're in a support group together. And don't deny not just yourself the chance to be loved, but um, us the opportunity to mm. do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, well brother, that was that was juicy. Yeah, I treasure our friendship, and 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 this is an area that um that we'll just go deeper with each other as yeah we also age in mm, our ooh. elder years. I'm sure that That's we're right. going to be putting out more of that vulnerability. Yeah, for help. right. Yeah. Hey, Prepo, can you help me find my dentures? <laughs> Anytime, man. Just fly me out. <laughs> All right, brother. This is wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. You're welcome. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit prepo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. <laughs>